everybody. Welcome back to Rooster and the Villain. We're very happy to be here. We've got a special guest today. Uh, first, my name is Mike Steenstra. I am a Tottenham Hotspur fan here every week. Uh, we also have Jake. Jake, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, had the day off today. The weather has gone absolutely batshit in El Paso. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, myself and our guest today can attest to some some crappy weather. It's been pretty bad in Maryland. But uh, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Paul is from Stateside Seagulls. Are you the um, the president of Stateside Seagulls? I am. Yeah, yeah. So right. president, founder, all that. <laughs> all right, great. Yeah, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, first, we're going to run through you know some of the background and history of the supporters groups uh, supporters group, and then Jake's gonna you guys and Jake are gonna. Um, nerd out about Brighton a little bit, but Jake, do you want to, you know, start firing off some questions? You want me to go? Um, I mean, I guess I could start off. Uh, first off, I want to say currently wearing the shirt, love the shirt, fine (laughs) fine piece of Brighton merch. (laughs) Um, so I guess first off, uh, as simple as this question could be, um, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm Paul Dorsey. I'm the, uh, the president social media I would say expert, but that's probably not right. Uh, person who does the gifts on the Twitter. Um, yeah, so I, I started the Stateside Seagulls Twitter account, gosh, eight years ago now almost, um, because I just decided one day, Brighton seems cool. I'll follow them. We'll see what, hap- what happens with this. And yeah, it kind of grew into something I didn't expect to have happen. So this has been an absolutely crazy experience, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. So you just kind of picked the squad at random at that point? Yeah. Or was it something so, about the squad that stuck out? I I knew that I didn't want to support one of the top six teams or one of the – so I didn't really have a team that I had in mind. I just kind of I, – I don't even remember how I picked Brighton originally. It was just kind of like Brighton just kind of materialized out of nowhere and followed them during the 2012-2013 season a little bit. Obviously couldn't watch them. They were in the championship. Um but they made it to the playoffs, the playoff semifinal against Crystal Palace. And I didn't know anything about the rivalry. I barely knew anything about Brighton at all. But I was following along on Twitter and people seemed pretty excited about it. So I was like, OK, I'll, I'll try to listen to it on the radio, see what this is all about. And the second leg of the playoff semifinal, we lost to Crystal Palace at home. And I remember I had an emotional reaction to it. Like I was I mean, I'm, I'm an Orioles fan in baseball and. I had the reaction like an or like an Orioles loss, and I was like, "Wait a minute this this team I've never watched before. I barely know about. I'm I'm having an emotional reaction to this. There must be something here. Let's follow this." And just since then, it's been it's been a whirlwind. So that's that's pretty cool about you being an O's fan. Um, we're used to uh, to disappointments. Um, <laughs> The uh, that's about the same time when I started following was the the next year the the qualification year, so mm-hmm. I didn't get to experience that. And then it's it's been kind of weird because my fandom has been I I look at the people, especially the friends I've made from the UK, to see how much fun they're having after you know the disappointments of the past, almost losing the team, all that. And it, it I've experienced nothing but upward trend, mm-hmm. so it's been fun, but. uh so that's good. So that was the second question, history or fandom. So um, maybe we could go more in depth, like the history of stateside seagulls, um, the expansion outward. Like I've noticed, 
I followed like a bunch of different cities that represent the SG now. So I was yeah. wondering if you could give yeah, a history absolutely. of like the expansion and all that. Yeah, absolutely. See, I started Stateside Seagulls in 2016 around the push for the playoffs that year, the push for promotion, I guess. And I, I knew that I knew a couple of people in the States who were fans through, you know, through Twitter and things like that. So I knew that there were some people around, but I didn't know anybody around me. I didn't, I was in college in Missouri at the time. So I didn't really know anything about, you know, a supporters group or where to find Brighton matches, especially in the championship. It's hard to watch games anyway. So I wanted to kind of find people that understood what it was like to, you know, try to find a Brighton game on BN sports or listen to a game on BBC Sussex radio. And just started the Twitter account, just started kind of reaching out to people left and right. And the the Premier League, getting promoted to the Premier League in 2017, I think that was that was the biggest kind of trajectory in terms of growing the club that we, I, I had no idea that there were this many Brighton fans at all. Um, so, yeah, there it was... probably it was, weren't at the time. There weren't. It, it, <laughs> There, it's weird because there weren't, but then there also were people who just either weren't on Twitter or didn't know that they could reach. It was kind of like me. It was like, you know, okay, I'm a Brighton fan. I watch the games, but then actually being being able to interact with people and see that, oh wait, no, I'm not the only person here. There's somebody else out there. They're talking about it, so I'll come out of the you know out of my basement watching the games, and I'll actually, you know connect with people. I think that was really something that helped out, but yeah, like you said, I think that really being on NBC and having those games on and having Brighton in ter- in front of people's eyes at that point was really something that helped build Stateside Seagulls and build Brighton into a bigger club that has more fans now than obviously it didn't when I started Stateside Seagulls and then obviously I don't think I could have ever imagined or any Brighton fan could have imagined what we do once we got to the Premier League, it's been, I mean, every year, even this year, I think at the beginning of the season, God, I just hope we stay up. And yeah, I, I can't even begin to imagine, you know, what my mind was like in 2017. When we just made it to the Premier League and being like, oh yeah, we're seventh in Europe or seventh, we're in Europe. And it's kind of been a rocky season. Yeah, that's that's definitely been like the injuries have been tough, but um, I, I've talked about on this pod before, like our our future predictions or whatever stuff like that. And I said like, if we can make a run in Europe, which I know we can, we already have. We're in round of sixteen in our maiden voyage, which is crazy. Yeah. But uh, to make it that far is already a gift. And then if we finish top ten, then it's I'm I'm cool with it. Like if we take a year off of Europe next year and then make a charge in the league again i mean that's just how we're built like the finances we have and stuff so mm-hmm. i i think any any fan that's out that's out there saying like this season's like a failure or whatever i i i don't yeah. i don't i don't it's, agree with it exactly yeah especially the, all the injuries we have and we're still I, every time i look up it's like we're in seventh and i'm just like how did that happen yeah and then we're also in europe and we're still in the fa cup and it's just it's crazy to think about, you know, where we were, you know, four or five years ago. And now we're just, there are people who are disappointed at where we are now. And it's like, are are you crazy? Yeah. The, the, the hashtag teams like Brighton thing cracks me up. And then you you see, 
managers, legendary managers like Klopp and Pep singing the praises of little old Brighton's manager. And it's, it's just a fantastic feeling. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask about is, do you guys have any sort of um, connection to the club? Like, do you guys speak with the actual club or any other Brighton supporters groups from like Europe or whatever? Yeah, we do. So it was really, it was really cool. This summer we had the summer series here in the U.S. So Brighton came over and played some matches in Atlanta, uh, Philly, and New Jersey, and that was really cool to be able to connect with the club in that way. So we had some interactions with the club, really kind of around 2018. So a couple of seasons into us having the supporters group set up, and then they had some. Um, some fan fest events in on the East coast. So we were able to interact with some of the marketing team at Brighton, but really toward the beginning of this past year, 2023. And then with summer series coming up, we were able to connect with the club more officially. So we got official supporters club status, which was huge for us to be able to be recognized by the club officially. And then also being able to work with Brighton, with the marketing team, with the supporter services team, and with really just the whole kind of backroom staff in a way to be able to set up events for us fans and fans who would travel over from Brighton to the summer series events. So we helped plan the events that they had in each of the the summer series cities and really helped kind of galvanize not only the club to the American fan base, but also the American fan base to the club in a way that a lot of fans I've been, lucky enough to go to Brighton a couple of times. I'm actually going for the Europa League round of 16 match, which I'm super excited about. Oh, but, shit. <laughs> but I booked the tickets this morning. I, I can't wait. Um, but a lot of fans haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to get overseas to watch a Brighton match. It's expensive to take flights, to get book hotels, to get a ticket for a game. So having the club here and being able to show that connection that they have with the club and with the fans here was huge for us. And then it was also huge for us to be able to have that kind of the trust of the club to be able to kind of work on their behalf to build that relationship here with the fans that we've established here. Um, so that's been huge. And we're still interacting with the club now um, with the official supporters club status. We're, we're kind of trying to build out more of a, more of an active fan base to really you know, have events here and, and do things that can connect the club and the, the fans here, even though there's an ocean between us. So that kind of, that kind of leads into the next one. Um, with the success of the, the premier league summer series, I got to expect that there should be more games in the future here. Um, are there, are there future plans for the supporters group going forward as far as events during the season and events like this summer, if the team comes back? Yeah, definitely. So I'm not sure if the club's going to come back or when they're going to come back to a summer series or anything like that, but we definitely do have plans in place to be able to, you know, for example, to fan fests or um, e even, you know, just kind of a general annual meeting of, of stateside seagulls, whether that's around a specific match or a, fa a fan fest or some type of event during the season. Um, and then also we're trying to figure out kind of the best way to, to do potentially a group travel over to Brighton, whether that's something that we coordinate with Brighton or if it's just 
you know, we know that a bunch of stateside seagulls are happening to go to a specific game, coordinate travel there, and then hopefully be able to work with Brighton to do some type of group ticketing or something like that as a stadium tour, something along those lines. So definitely working on doing more in-person things, especially since we had such, such, you know, amazing success with the summer series events. I don't think that, you know, any of us were really expecting so many stateside seagulls to show up to those events, but it was, it was crazy to see how much Brighton has kind of cracked that, that fan base here in the U S it's, it's really cool to see, you know, it's one thing to kind of, watch the games on TV and talk on social media and see people react and, and talk with, with people like you, Jake, but it's, it's another thing to see people, you know, in person and, and be so committed to the club. And I definitely want to have that happen more often. That's, that's awesome, man. I, um, yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to mention earlier is like, uh, I know there's, there's a lot of folks that are fans of the big six club here that are older, especially in El Paso. It's like the only clubs that they got to watch growing up were like the Liverpools, the Uniteds and stuff like that. So you see that fandom, but with the internet today with Peacock, um, I believe it's on you. What we've had a lot of games on USA lately, but Mm -hmm. I mean, you could stream all of this stuff. And so people are, people are starting to find this club and seeing like, okay, this is the type of football that I like. We're going to watch this. So that's been really fun. Um, so as far as the team, um, do you have any predictions for the rest of the season? Like where you see us finishing out in the tournaments that we have left? I'm really excited to see how we do with close to a full roster of actual healthy people. Um, that, that's exciting. Potentially. I'm pretty good with your, uh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If, if Purvis can just keep hitting screamers, then I think we'll be all right. Yes. (laughs) But the, um, uh, yeah, oh, I, I, I think that, so I'm really hopeful that we can actually win when I'm over there and, and move on through the uh, round of 16 in the Europa League. But yeah, I, it's tough to say because I think that we've, you know, my prediction at the beginning of the season was along the same lines as you, Jake, kind of hopefully doing well in the Europa League, get through the group, hopefully make a little bit of a run, but knowing that we're probably not going to finish sixth again because we're going to have you know, our eyes on different competitions and kind of a depleted roster. I didn't think it was going to get this bad necessarily with the injuries, but um, to be seventh at this point, I'm, I'm really happy about that. I would love to be able to get to Europe again, but I don't know if that's realistic. I think that our probably our best bet to do that is to win the Europa League, which is crazy, but, but I think we could do it. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, if we if we finish top 10 and we make it to like the quarterfinal, maybe even semifinal of the Europa League, I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, I I agree. Um I was looking at it like the teams that could be left, like you you obviously had Milan drop down. Um mm-hmm. Liverpool's still in the contest, West Ham who is just a pain in the ass to play is still in the tournament. Um but I don't, I don't think we'll win Europa League. But and maybe this is just my bias of being a fan. But I honestly don't see anybody in there that we could not beat. Possibly, yeah. I'm so, really happy that we avoided having to play the third place oh, Champions yeah. League teams because that's just a whole other round of you know potential pitfalls. So I'm glad that we got through that. And hopefully, you know, we have more time to have people come back from injury and, and hopefully we get back into more of a rhythm 
So, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that we can go all the way in the Europa League, but I'm realistic that that's probably not going to happen with just the way that things are going to shake out. But we're still in it right now, so that's it feels pretty good. Yeah. Can the, you remind um, me who you guys drew for the round of 16? Oh, we, they, haven't they haven't decided yet. yet. They haven't done the draw yet. Yeah. Okay. The, um, so we talked about Barco, us getting Barco, I believe, in the – before we started recording, but that was like the big piece of Brighton news. Uh, I think most Brighton fans, that was the main target. Everybody <laughs> really, really wanted. Um, is there anybody else uh, that you would, you would think would be a good target for the club? Oh gosh. Um, see, that's, that's difficult. It's also difficult because I know that we probably won't do anything else knowing Tony yeah. Bloom. So, yeah, I, I don't know. What What about you, Jake? Do you have anybody in mind? Uh, I'm going to sound like a complete American homer, but <laughs> I just had this thought in my mind of Gio Reyna absolutely exploding right. under Deserby. I and could see that. he could be had cheap, I believe, and I could just I could see him just tearing it up under Deserby. Yeah, no, I could see that. <laughs> but like like you said, I think Bloom, because uh, we get a lot of our guys back either – late January, early February. So mm-hmm. I think Bloom's just going to treat them as transfers. Yeah. And go with that. Yeah, I think so too. And especially, well, maybe not especially, but I know that kind of with Jakob Motor also coming in, that kind of also feels yeah. like a transfer coming in a little bit, even though he's been on the team for however long now. It's just like he hasn't played for so long. It kind of feels like he's a new guy coming in. So I think that helps out. We also just had Sarmanto come back from one and then go back out. So I think we're going to see a lot of kind of that activity where players who are on loan are going to come back and people are going to get excited for a couple of days and then realize oh, no, they're just going back out. So yeah. I think that's going to be, I think Barco is kind of going to be the big signing, but we'll see. I'm, I'm happy to be surprised. Do you, do you think he, uh, do you think he plays on the right at some point this season? I think he might have to, depending yeah. on what what happens with development and with Lamptey. I don't know if they're going to come back. So I think that, you know, I see a lot of... It's difficult, too, especially because you don't know what the injury situation is going to look like. And then Deserby has a kind of a tendency to kind of fiddle with things a lot this season. So putting James Milner in different places and Pascal Gross in different positions. So it's kind of difficult to see kind of what the strategy might be. But I think that that could potentially be a good call just because we don't have that depth there. Yeah, that 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 right back position has just been frustrating. It's uh I I honestly as far as our just our the people that we can play there, Veltman, I think, has been my my favorite. Just yeah. keep him deeper and let let Estupiad, now that he's back, work higher on the left side and we'll we'll go like that. But yeah, yeah that that there was a certain point in the season where it was like Igor went out. And I remember <laughs> yeah, texting yeah. Mike and uh the other guy who does the show with us, Jimmy, just all caps, we have no center backs. <laughs> like it the the defensive back line has just been scary this year yeah and then having like Baleba come in and kind of kind of technically a little bit play center back and it's just Mm kind of like what what is what is going on right now but 
Yeah. What uh what what's been your opinion of Baleba? I've I've seen like little pieces of what Deserby's talking about where he says he could be a great Premier League player. And then I also see him just running into people. Yeah, I think that he he definitely has the talent, I think. I just don't know if he's quite achieved it yet. So I think that he getting more game time in him is going to be crucial, but I also don't know if that's going to be up to what Deserby is going to be looking for. So I think that he's kind of benefiting from the fact that we don't really have anybody else at the moment. But once the injuries start to subside, I don't know where he's going to necessarily fit in. Um, so he, it's kind of difficult to say he might even end up on loan next year, potentially. But I think that he's definitely one of those pieces that is going to be potentially hugely beneficial to us going going forward just because I think that he really does have the talent there. I just don't know if he's been able to kind of achieve that yet. Yeah, I, I think if I think if we had more roster depth at this point, he would be on loan right now. I at least Glenn I think Murray. in this January window he's probably he would have gone on loan. Number Jake, okay. why don't you go ahead and ask the question again, just in case. Okay. So uh to finish up with the questions um, do you have a favorite Brighton player or players? Um, of all time or right now? Yeah, just of all time. Since you've been following the club. I, I'd i say probably Glenn Murray. He's probably number one. And Lewis Dunk is like 1B. Yeah. And then I'd say probably Lu- Pascal. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely like our kind of our unsung hero who's now like kind of getting his full praises. Yeah, he um Gross has to be one of the most fun like I don't even want to say late bloomer cuz he's been good for the club for a while, but I mean like people are really starting to notice now like like holy shit this guy is good. Got his first cap for Germany. That's been awesome for him. Sure. No, I got a couple of uh, supporters group questions in general I wouldn't mind asking because sure. um, I'm new to – I started in Montgomery County Spurs down here with a couple guys, so we're kind of new to the game. But I was just kind of curious how Brighton supporter groups work and, um, you know, like does the club give you a mandate for – you know, Tottenham says there must be a, a president to treasurer and a vice president for every supporters group. Are they – when I looked at the website, there wasn't that many supporters groups yet. So I was just wondering if they like gave you specific instructions for how to do it. Yeah, it's it's kind of at its beginning stages, I think. So we there's maybe about a dozen supporters clubs, and we were kind of along the lines. We've been talking with them for a few years now. So we were kind of, I think, in the initial stages of, of kind of building out that process. Um, but I do know that like the, the biggest thing is, and that's kind of why we've really done kind of the national thing. So with stateside seagulls, instead of having all of kind of like the local chapters do their own things, at least at first, is that there does have to be kind of a, a minimum threshold of, you know, we had to have 20 signed up members. So that was one of those things where it's like, you know, we have, we definitely have 20 stateside across the board, but do we have, 20 in Chicago and 20 in New York and 20 in Seattle. Does it make sense to have, you know, 20 different supporters clubs? So that was kind of the biggest thing for us. Um, But definitely, I think as 
Brighton continues to grow and supporters clubs build up across, you know, across the globe for us, I think that they're going to definitely, you know, change up that process. I, it's the, the biggest thing for me, at least for, for Brighton has been, they've been fantastic in terms of being supportive of us kind of doing our own thing, obviously, you know, not, you know, going crazy and talking bad about them that, you know, that, that wouldn't happen anyway, but, you know, they kind of let us, you know, have that trust in having, you know, our, our supporters club kind of run itself in a way. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful to kind of have their trust and to know that, you know, we have their best best interests in mind and they do for us. And it's just kind of a, a good relationship that we have with them. Yeah, that's that's cool. And and you're based in Baltimore. Do you have a group of Baltimoreans or Baltimoreans? <laughs> you would call yourself up there, <laughs> Baltimoreans. <laughs> Baltimoreans. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's so in Baltimore, it's basically just me, my wife, and my dog. Um, but in DC, we're kind of starting to to build up a group. So we have Sorry, about uh, about a dozen of us. We haven't figured, figured out, out like an actual physical location yet, but we definitely. Like we had for the FA Cup semifinal against United last year, we had um, a meetup and that that had like 20, 25 people. That was crazy. I wasn't expecting that many people for the DC meetup Um, kind of ad hoc too. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to be at this bar and then 20 other fans showed up. So that's definitely something that we want to build out and, you know, hopefully we can build up the the Baltimore Seagulls, but but DC is not too far away. So I'm happy to go down there and catch up with them. She's like, you have holes in your ears? I said, yeah. <laughs> and I asked Jess for her earrings, and sure enough, they still go through. Really? Yeah. But I keep getting pimples in this ear. You had like gait? Yeah, you're back. My back. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, so I was just asking about, I think- um, I was asking about your trips to Brighton because you mentioned you'd done a couple trips. So I was just kind of curious, you know, how you got the tickets. Is it easy to get tickets to Brighton games if people want to go out there? Or did you get them through stateside seagulls and, and how that process works? Yeah, no, so the, oh God, the first time I went was, and this is really, really <laughs> stupid of me, but um, I went in 2016 in the championship. I ended up going up to Blackburn for whatever stupid reason, um, an away game in the snow in the north of England. Um, and yeah, it was it was fantastically, we, we were doing okay that year, but not great. And we had lost like three in a row. So I was like, oh, great, great. This is going to be terrible. And we won and we ended up kind of pushing for promotion that year. But anyway, no, it was, that was really fun. But in the championship, it was, I wouldn't say it was easier, but it was definitely, especially for Blackburn for an away game, it was a little bit, you know, just kind of like go onto the Brighton website, figure out how to buy tickets and then do it. Um, it'll be an interesting editing experience kind of figuring out the whole way uh, day, how you pick up the tickets thing. That was a little difficult, but I think that's just, Um, all right, we're back. So we were talking about, um, um, you mentioned the second game I went to was in um, 2018. It was the first time that I'd been to the Amex. Um, and so me and my wife went, yeah. So you just kind of, so again, my experience, we just bought the tickets on the My Albion website, which is kind of like, so I had to buy the My Albion Plus membership, which is kind of like, you get, I guess, priority access to be able to buy tickets before the general admission process goes about. So ended up doing that. And we went to the Crystal Palace match, which was, that's, that's the big rivalry with, with us and Crystal Palace. So that was really exciting, especially for a first Amex experience to be able to to take that all in 
Um, and we ended up winning three to one, which was unbelievable. It was crazy. Um, and then after the match, you know, we had a flight the next morning. I was like, all right, well, the, the night can't get any better. Let's just go back to the hotel room. We, we got to wake up early. It, this has been amazing. And my wife's like, no, 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 no. We have to go out. We have to party. We have to celebrate. Brighton just won. We came all this way. Let's go out. So I'm like, okay, good for right, her. Fine. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then, and then, and then at the bar, when we're just having a Guinness, we're about to head on out. Tony Bloom walks on in with his entourage. And oh, I'm shit. like, what? Um, what? <laughs> so Tony Blue ends up popping champagne bottles with everybody. They're singing karaoke. And I'm like, this, I'm in a dream right now, right? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so that was that was my first Amex experience, which I, now I'm afraid to go back because I'm like, I, we can't get any better than that. So any time that I go back now is going to just be a disappointment. <laughs> but... That- that's kind of the future uh, plans for the supporters group is to maybe organize some group travel and, and uh, go to a game together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd love to, we, that's kind of one of the the things that we want to work with, with Brighton in terms of, you know, just getting able, being able to have a group of stateside seagulls, be able to go over, you know, experience Brighton, experience the city, experience the Amex and, and kind of have that, that experience to be able to, you know, it's one thing to be able to watch it, you know, every game on NBC or on Peacock or whatever, but it's another whole thing to be able to be in the city to experience that at the MX. And and it's just, you know, I can't, I can't promise you Tony Bloom and a three one win over palace every time, but it's, <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it either way. Yeah. The, uh, the crystal palace slander lives strong on this podcast through Jake. So I got to hear it all. <laughs> good. The time. Good. Yeah. I hate those guys. <laughs> all right. So now let's jump back. Uh, Jake, you want to, you want to lead us with some FA cup, um talk with Brighton. Okay, so um I know we we usually concede this year. We had the the long stretch of no clean sheets. Um I understand like not getting worried. Just but... broken against West Ham, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Draw. Yeah. David Unfortunately Moyes we ball. couldn't score against I hate David Moyes. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> like we have this we have this beautiful like uh like system right of like passing and possession and sometimes finishing and david Moyes <laughs> just comes out there and says no fuck you we're gonna just low block <laughs> you to death yeah um so i i got a little bit nervous with the van hecke uh own goal who we didn't get to really talk about as another guy that i've just been super pleased with really yeah. really liked yeah. him next to dunk um, that own goal was a bit funky. It looks like he just kind of couldn't get his feet under him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Estupian, uh, to finish out the first half, uh, 45 plus six, I believe. Uh, fantastic goal. Just another one. That left foot is made yeah. of gold this year. Yeah. That that guy is amazing. Um, so then Dunk gets a goal, which always makes me happy to see. Um, and then we had a penalty. Was it, I, I, I believe I missed the, the actual ruling on the penalty. Was it a handball? It was a handball. So I yeah. can't remember exactly what happened, but Dunk jumped up, it hit him in the head and then it kind of rolled off his shoulder and there's no VAR. So the referee gave it and that just kind of is how it is. So he, he didn't even know about it, but since it hit his arm, it technically was the handball. I don't know. No VAR is is crazy yeah. to watch again. Like 
yeah, it, it's um, I miss it because a goal scores, the assistant doesn't have a flag up and you celebrate and that's it. But yeah, yeah, you do realize like situations like that. It is nice to get a video replay of it, seeing it hit a hand and you see a lot more more goals that way. But it is wild to watch in the FA Cup. No VAR. You'd think they'd have it in the championship yeah. at this point. But yeah. it is refreshing. That is that is a because uh, sometimes like you'll see like the offsides and you're like, wait a minute, how did how do you figure that out kind of thing? So yeah, they um so ended up two two and then our our new talisman uh Jao Pedro with two fantastic goals to finish him off. Um very pleased with the win. Uh 69% of the ball, just complete deserve ball. Keep it, strangle them. 658 passes to 253 passes. Uh, eight fouls committed, and we got eight corners as well. Um, 15 total shots, which is a good thing. Um, but overall, I'd say a good game. The continuing with the Brighton trend of sort of silly goals, um, mm-hmm. in bad situations, but I think. As this team matures and as we get people back, I, I think that really starts to to taper off, and I think we we look like a more complete team, especially defensively. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of textbook deserve ball. It's just you know we're going to concede some goals, mistakes are going to happen. It's just scoring more than the opposition. It doesn't really matter if we keep a clean sheet. It's just can we score more than them? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you're gonna. With with how much fun it is to watch and like how dominant we can be when we're on, you're gonna have to take something with that, and that's gonna be the mm-hmm. the chance for the counterattacks. I I know there's times where, like I like Gilmore. I think there was a, it was a Gilmore pass in particular, just a bad pass, and because of that bad pass, you see literally like you're seeing Dunk and Van Hecke move up, and then the ball starts to go the other way, and you're just like, oh shit. So, yeah, yeah. It, it makes it exciting in certain ways, but in other ways, some of the goals we conceded this year have just been frustrating. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you definitely, so in the summer series, you get to see it in person, where, whereas a lot of times you know, just watch on TV and you're like, oh, that looks a little close with playing out from the back and Steele or Verbruggen has it. And you're like, when are you going to pass it? They're, they're attacking you. They're on top of you in person. It's a billion times worse. Trust me. Oh my God. It's terrifying because Steele has the ball three players on on top of him. It's like, what are you doing? Are you going to get rid of it? Please God, they're going to score. And it just works somehow nine times out of 10. Obviously you're going to have that one time out of 10 where it's a really stupid goal that you concede, but that's just kind of how we play. It's, you know, those risks pay off a lot more often than they than they come against us. So we'll see how long it lasts. Hopefully it lasts for a while longer. It's got to be better than Matt Turner passing out of the back. Oh, <laughs> <No>? <laughs> Who'd you guys draw? You drew uh, Sheffield. Is that right? Sheffield, Sheffield United. United. Yeah. So that should so. be, that should be a win. Still a lot of clubs left Hopefully. in that competition. Hopefully. We drew we City. Play the, yeah. so we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. Didn't you guys hang tough with them recently? Actually, we're kind of their bogey team. We uh, have yet to score at new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that's kind of a wild stat. But, you know, Spursies are Spursies. So 
<laughs> I don't have very high hopes playing against City in, in the fourth round. I'd rather get like Wrexham, you know, because I get to enjoy a little Wrexham banter <laughs> while we kick your ass. And a, a, a League Two club would be nice. The new the new biggest team in America, Wrexham United. <laughs> I do have to admit that I, I like watching them in the FA Cup. They 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 drew uh, Blackburn, so they could win that game, too. I think Blackburn's League One, right? Uh, championship. Championship. Other championship. Well, they, that's what I know. They had a guy who I wanted Brighton, or no, he might not even be on that team anymore, who I wanted Brighton to sign last year, that uh, Ben Brereton Diaz guy. I think, I think and this is though. and this is funny. I I think he just signed for like Sheffield United. No shit. I think so. He was at like Villarreal, and then I just saw like yesterday or today he he just left for somebody in England. I think it might be Sheffield United. So that we may be seeing more of him pretty soon. Oh no shit! Yeah, he is on loan. <laughs> Sheffield United. The uh, in air quotes Chilean. <laughs> um. So yeah, that about that about does it for for the coverage of the game. Not much more to talk about. Uh oh, on the last goal, one more thing. On the last goal, Van Hecke uh inventing the role of the false center back. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's doing all the way up there, but I, I loved it at the end of the game. So that was that was fantastic. Yeah, it was good to see him get some redemption from the own goal. Yeah. Um so I guess to to finish up, um, what's next for us? We have Wolves after the international break, and uh, we uh, we kind of do uh, not necessarily bashing, but I think a lot of us are kind of frustrated with the U.S. men's national team. So like the international breaks have have begun to irritate us. Um, but looking forward to Wolves and Luton. Do you expect those to be? wins as we get back get back on pace or or how do you feel about those games coming up hope so gets Luton yeah yeah I hope so but the way at Luton is going to be interesting their stadium is just so wild I I love love that stadium yeah it's cool yeah Kenilworth Kenilworth Road yeah I um my favorite part of the FA Cup is getting to see the the lower league British clubs stadiums My my local club El Paso Locomotive they they play in a baseball stadium because they're like the ownership group also owns the AAA club here mm. and it's just don't get me wrong my seats are good I have season tickets sit like right beside the supporters group but there's just something gross about playing in a baseball stadium it it irritates me and like I see these like eight thousand seater like League One League Two teams and it's like. Man, that that shit would just be perfect for El Paso. I, yeah. I love those stadiums. But I, I think agree. that's yeah, all I got. Kind of the weird thing oh. I used to. Oh no no no, that's fine. You could. Oh no no no, continue. I think I think we got a delay. Go ahead and continue with that. Oh yeah. Oh no yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna say kind of on that that El Paso locomotive playing at a baseball stadium. I worked for slash. You went to quite a few DC United games at RFK, and I just remember how odd that felt. Just being at RFK Stadium, whole upper bowls empty, seats falling down because they didn't care about it anymore. It's just like, oh god. <laughs> but it what, now Audi feels just like I, that doesn't feel right. You just kind of you want to go back to RFK and just experience that. RFK seemed like a pretty good, yeah, pretty good show for a nickel there. 
I heard the stadiums all the the seats all bounced when people were like jumping. That and... was terrifying, but also really cool to see. Just not cool to be in. Yeah, it's like is this gonna <laughs> collapse around me? Yeah, yeah. Do you uh do you consider yourself a an MLS fan? Kind of kind of like a lapsed MLS fan. So like I'll yeah. go to maybe one or two games a season, but they're so far away. Like it takes an hour and a half to get down there, an hour and a half to get back. And then the Metro closes early. So it's like, it's not even worth it really to go down more than once or twice a season. Yeah. Um, and then with Apple TV, like I'll watch a couple of games, but it was a lot easier to watch it on like ESPN when it was on there or Fox. So just kind of like, ah, eh, I'll watch it if I can, but if I don't, then I, I don't miss it. Yeah. I keep hoping that Baltimore is a, is a, they keep saying they're a candidate for a USL championship. I, if they get great. If they get a US championship team, I'd be a season ticket. I'd be there every every single game. Yeah. I think I would consider it even from Rockville. Definitely over uh you know, I I've followed the Bobcats in, in Nisa, but who knows how long that league's gonna last. So if Baltimore had a, a USL championship squad, I think I'd immediately be a fan. Yeah. They'd uh they'd probably get crushed by locomotive, but who does <laughs> um you'd beat those bastards from Detroit though. So Yeah. We're uh like on the podcast, we're we're self-proclaimed, I guess, Euro snobs. But I, Mike and I follow U.S. clubs. Um, I just, with the MLS, it, it's gotten kind of hard. Something about the presentation or just maybe my distaste towards league politics has, has driven mm. me away. I used to watch D.C. United as a kid growing up on the East Coast. Or Metro Stars, were, I always thought were cool. But um, I guess as my fandom of the game has grown out of the United States and, and as well as like me moving to El Paso and becoming a fan of the club here, it's, it's something about the league just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Like the, I don't know what it is. I just don't enjoy yeah. watching it that much. And then what they tried to pull with the U S open cup, it just oh, yeah. soured me even more. I was like, okay, I, I, I don't need to, I don't need to have this in my life. Yeah. 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 That's kind of how, uh, how we feel as well. All right, so we usually end the podcast with some rants. It could be anything soccer related at all. It's always off the top of your head, so you know you don't have much time to prepare. But it's your stage <laughs> to rant about anything soccer related you want right now. Oh boy! Oh gosh! Does it have to be a good rant, a bad rant? No, it'd be whatever. Anything? Anything. Whatever. Oh god! It'd be a uh, yeah. You could proselytize about a team. All sorts of rants. Jake, <laughs> oh, you got man. one in mind too? You could show them. Show them how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Um. Nothing really in particular. I saw more posts on Twitter today. Uh, actually, Paul, this has uh, also become a uh, focused on Spurs, Brighton, and Villa, but also one of our favorite subjects is is Chelsea bashing. Um, <laughs> so I saw more of the should Chelsea sign to Zerbe, no. and again, that just gets another Jake Kennedy. You guys could fuck off. <laughs> signature so just leave us alone like you guys haven't learned your lesson i keep seeing the the well why why didn't this work out or like stop trying to buy from brighton because it doesn't work out but you look at dan Byrne, you look at McAllister, you look at basuma all those guys are succeeding and they have one thing in common they aren't at chelsea so <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> hey man you got a uh, got something uh, in mind yet Ah, oh, I think it's I think it's your turn, Mike. All right, I got. I'm gonna give Jake a quick <laughs> shout out for uh, Diego Luna. I know it's Camp Cupcake yes. at 
USMNT, but a former El Paso locomotive player has made it to USMNT roster. So that's that's pretty cool. What do you think, Jake? I Hello? love that kid. How long was he at El Paso? Oh, uh, like a season and a half, if that. Um, He looks like the love child of Diego Maradona and Jason Hervey from the Wonder Years. He is a fantastic player. That kid is going to be a star, and they need to get him capped quick because I know Mexico was looking at him. Um, Also, something funny, uh, I don't know how much Liga Emekis you guys watch or follow, but Chivas just signed Cade Cowell who is a completely capped U.S. men's national team player. And Chivas is famous for only having Mexican players. But he was able to get a passport somehow. I, I've heard people saying he doesn't speak Spanish, but I think you have to speak Spanish to get a passport there. But Didn't Chicharito it, it, just re-sign with them? I thought he was Galaxy. Is he in? Is he at Chivas I now? I thought I just saw that he went back to Chivas. Oh, I could shit. be wrong there. Could be wrong. I just... I don't I don't understand the Cade Cowell thing. Um like I, I love Liga Mekis. I think it's a super fun league. Uh I've become a fan of Juarez over here. They're uh part of the same ownership group as Locomotive, but a lot of those guys I, I don't understand if you're starting to become established why you would volunteer voluntarily go down there. Cade Cowell could play in Europe, in my opinion. Um he should have gone there. Uh, a lot of these guys will get trapped on these Mexican teams because Mexican clubs want such high transfer fees and and a lot of clubs aren't willing to pay it. So, I mean, I'm sure he'll have fun in Guadalajara. He'll be a star there. Uh, people really like him. I think he's super, super talented hustle hustle player. Um, but I just – I don't think it was a good career choice going down there. Well, I got, I got two thoughts. First, Diego Luna, awesome neck tattoo. Yes. Second, Liga Emekis, don't they pay the salaries very high? And that's why a lot of the players stay domestic, too. So maybe yeah. Cade Cowell got a nice paycheck out of it. Yeah, that, I'm that, never that, a hater, man. Yeah, that would be the only reason that he would go down there. I get that. But, I mean, I mean, after a certain point, I think he has a lot of upward mobility to his career. I think going to Europe would have been the best choice for him. Always. Wouldn't mind him at Brighton, to be honest. <laughs> All right, Paul. You're on. And if you got nothing, you can just tell us where everyone can find stateside seagulls. Yeah. Um, I guess this is just kind of random that I was thinking about. So I know that we were talking about VAR before and how it was nice to not have it during the FA Cup. One of the things that really bothers me about VAR is anytime they go to the monitor, they always go with what's on the monitor or you know, whatever the, the VAR says. And it's like, what what is the point of any of this? It's just wasting time. We're just doing theater at this point. Like, what? Why? What? What are we doing? Yeah, so, excellent point. Yeah, every time rant. they go to the monitor, I've never <laughs> seen it not go the way of VAR. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. wh- what are we even doing here? What's the point? Why not just have the VAR be the referee at that point? And then, yeah. and then the game's over, and then all of a sudden they drag everybody back out so that donkey-toothed <laughs> asshole Bruno Fernandez can <laughs> kick a fucking PK. Uh, I I almost forgot about the chick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> did you see did you see his uh his penalty today his penalty today oh my god well uh, see that's another reason why maybe we needed var in that game jesus yeah that that guy <laughs> i mean it's so irritating it like he's like he reminds me mike of nagelstad uh, uh a big time nisa player for chattanooga like Surreal super niche. super talented <laughs> just just an amazing talent 
but you don't want to appreciate him just because of the the shithousery, the diving, the complaining, all that stuff. Like it, he's just so. And then I mean, as a Brighton fan, you just hate him because of that game. So yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Thanks so much, uh, Paul. Thanks for coming on the podcast and talking stateside seagulls. And um, where can we find you online? Of course, yeah. So you can find us uh, on all the social media platforms uh, at BHAFC Stateside. Um, we also have a website, statesideseagulls.com. And yeah, if you want to learn any more about Brighton, if you want to become a stateside seagull, definitely hit us up and we'd love to have you on board. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for jumping on. We'll uh, we'll have you on after you guys win Europa League. Hell yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. So, <laughs> any, any Brighton fans out there, buy the merch. Yes. From Stateside and up the Albion. Up the Albion. Mm-hmm.